Welcome to this episode of Demystified, where we are going to discuss the difference between eating and dining. So thank you for joining us. This is Demystified as we explore how cooking in the modern world. And I'm Linda and I'm here with my friend Paul. Hey Paul. New intro. New intro. How are you? <laughs> New well, intro. You're back from the USA and... Um, and Canada. And Canada. Very excited. Yes. To catch up at last. How yeah, and about a COVID oh, on the way back. COVID, yes. That was good. That was keeps, awesome. Yeah, isn't it? Yes. Yes. No, trip was good. Trip was, yeah, eye-opening. And First time to North America. And so. I do, yes. And uh, I saw on some of the posts that you were making that you were enjoying some very fine dining. Yes. And I suppose that, hence of the, today's topic du jour, if I can call it that, um, so I had I had quite a few memorable food experiences while traveling, um, but I'm going to pick on probably two, and they were both in New York, and they were both vastly different, but for the timing and the mood that I was in, and the frame of mind that I was in, and everything, they were both equally as good. But there is a distinct difference between eating, stuffing your face and fueling your body <laughs> and dining. And I think often we, I think fine dining has become a, a bit of a, it's not like it used to be, right? Like it used to be this big special, it's like, I kind of think of it like, I think back in the day, people would get dressed in their finest to jump on a plane. Yes. yes right? Exactly. So, and I think fine dining has sort of gone by the wayside of like, oh, it's all a bit too stuffy and we don't want to get dressed up. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, to a degree, we don't want to get dressed no, up. But experiences like that. Yeah, I, I probably had a, what some would term as a older school fine dining dinner. And I also ate at a rough house ready deli. Proper old school American 1960s deli oh, wow. and they were both delicious both really really different but both delicious They're both like experiences but one was just eating for the sake of eating mm -hmm. and the other was a dining experience so my dining experience was at per se so those of you that have listened before know I have a man love oh, yes, <laughs> um <laughs> With Thomas Keller, so I was I was very very fortunate. Um, I did put myself on the wait list when I found out I was going, and um, I did sort of write a letter begging and pleading to find <laughs> me a spot. None of that came to fruition, but fortunately, a colleague of mine who works in New York knows everyone, and the, and when I say knows everyone, he actually does. It's not a lie. He knows everyone, and he sort of took it as a bit of a challenge, um, and he said where would you like to go and I said per se and he was like oh okay I didn't mean that much of a challenge um because it's about six months wait to get in if you're regular Joe Punter so with literally like less than two weeks notice he got us in so wow. yeah I, I did write him a handwritten letter thanking him telling them telling him how much it, it actually meant to me to just go and experience it um because but, you did more than eat there, didn't you? Yeah, so I mean, they did the, they, I don't know how he pulled the strings that he pulled, but I got a full tour of the kitchen, chatted to the chefs, um, 
got a full tour of the wine cellar, the whole place. Like, they just yeah. opened it up. So, yeah, it was quite amazing, actually. Yeah. I'm very fortunate. Um, you know, and they printed off the menu for me. And yes, and yeah. to the listeners, I got shown that menu with the question, are your hands clean? Yes. <laughs> well, that's... that's oh, okay. Yeah, because it's a... I mean, that for me was a bucket list, you know. Mm, I actually never thought I would get to a Thomas Keller restaurant, ever. Um, no, because you've talked about French laundry. Yeah, well, his yeah. sort of first restaurant was the French laundry, and unfortunately I just didn't have enough time to get to where that is, which is outside of San Diego. Um, but I was in New York, and it was literally 10 minutes walk from my hotel room. So it was kind of convenient. And you overlook Central Park, and it's quite spectacular and all the rest of it. But... When I sort of said, let, you know, came up with the idea of the topic, the difference between, and fine dining in particular, fine dining in my mind is still alive and very, very well because that is a fine dining experience and it's not a stuffy experience anymore. Like I rocked up in jeans and a shirt and that's cool. Um, but everything was better than any other dining experience I've ever had from the service to the way that each different waiter because you've there was a cast of thousands of them um delivered the food talked about the dish explained what was going to happen you know you don't feel overwhelmed or out of place and i am at my heart a bogan <laughs> and for those of you that don't know what a bogan is it's like i don't know a bit rough around the edges and all the rest of it but you certainly don't feel you need to be dripping in a Rolex watch and diamonds to... Or a chef. Yeah, or, yeah, or a chef or, mm. you know, anyone can go there. And that's what I think I like about what fine dining is today. Anyone can go. And there's no assumptions made about how much money you might have in your bank account or anything like that. And I think previously, like, there was a little bit of that snobby part to dining at restaurants sort of like that and that's now disappeared so i think fine dining and the version of you know the 21st century version of fine dining is probably the best because of those things the food was ridiculously good everything it was a absolute master class in refinement um the dishes were small and it wasn't one of those occasions where you left hungry like i certainly didn't leave hungry but what was unique about it was that there was no ingredient repeated throughout the nine or 10 courses that we had. So there was no ingredient that was crossed over from course to course. So every single plate of food had original ingredients on it, which I found like quite, you'd be hard pressed to find a restaurant that doesn't, you know, use one ingredient here or there across a couple of dishes. That's a point for these guys, they don't do it. so the refinement of it wasn't just in the cooking it was also in and it's not minimalist either so it's not super super modern it's very based in classic french technique which is why it's my thing um but everything that was put on a plate had a purpose and even if it was only three things on the plate they all had a purpose and a meaning and matched perfectly so that as a entire exercise was like perfect. That's more like an experience though when it's when it's a bit like that, when it's getting explained to you rather than just served so that you get to hear about the dish. Yeah, but even that's, then that's they, like, they didn't go into 
huge amounts of depth and detail. Like we didn't get a menu. We weren't given a menu. The, the maitre d' came up to us and said, okay, so here's what we're going to do for you tonight. Does that sound good? And if you'd like to change something, just let us know. So they just, and the funny thing was, was when I got my tour at the back of house um, and all the menus change daily. Not every second day, not every third day, but daily, right? So the menu doesn't repeat, which in of itself. So if you went the next day, if you could afford it to go the next day, you would have a different dining experience because the menu would be different. But as a chef, yeah, how hard is that? Well, when you saw when I saw how many chefs were in there, not at all. Okay. Yeah, I mean there was quite there's, and the kitchen. I have to say, looked like it had never been cooked in, and that place must be a dozen years old. It was like I, I would have happily eaten off the floor in that kitchen. It was spotless, and I mean, there wasn't a mark on a tile anywhere. Like it was extraordinary. Wow. Yeah, like and the brass parts of the kitchen are still shiny brass. Like, you know, everything was and so. When you're brave enough as a restaurant to take people through your kitchen, like, you want it to be pretty good. This was better than pretty good. And it just shows you that, you know, what goes on in the back of house is reflected on what comes out on your plate, right? It was very calm in there. And, I mean, they're doing nine or ten courses for... There must have been 50 people in there. You know, that's a lot of food. And it's all different. Yeah, and it's all and it's all coming out at different times. And I mean, you have a chef running the pass because you just need to. Um, because, you know, we might be on course four and you might be on course seven, but it's all got to, you know, come together and you've got different parts of the kitchen working together to put the dish together. So there's a lot to do, but it was very, very calm. All the chefs stopped and said hello. They stopped working, said g'day, how you going? Allow me to take a couple of photos. So it was like, wow, yeah, a proper, proper, yeah, yeah, a proper experience. Um, So I think in that scenario and the way the service was run, um, you know, being able to opt in or opt out of whatever you wanted, whenever you felt like. Like if you want to do matching wines, but you want an extra glass of that, it's not a problem. There's nothing is too hard. No, nothing. So no request is too rich, but it's not snobby. You know, it's just like, and you would basically sit in there and although it was a, I mean, we're reasonably well spaced out. We did chat to the people across from us and we, the person that I was with, who we were sort of guessing, you know, going, oh, they, these people come here all the time. Now, we just made an assumption about, other people in the restaurant and we got chatting to them. Now they were there for their 30 year wedding anniversary and had been booked in for six months and been waiting forever to visit a Thomas Keller restaurant. So they were much like us. Um, wow. So you, you're close enough to people, but far enough away at, that you feel like you're the only people in the restaurant and you feel like the staff are there. Like my water was not empty, not, not once. Like they see everything and everything is considered and the timing that the food comes out. Everything is like, I cannot stress the level of training and execution that they must go through to get to that stage. And it is worth every single, like I've been to Michelin star restaurants. This is next level. Like it is worth three Michelin stars every day of the week. And it has been for years and years and years. 
Conversely, my Delhi experience, so I got a bit of a tour of New York City from a chef that I was working with over there. And we went to a rooftop bar and I got to sort of overlook New York and New Jersey and that was cool and everything was great. And he said, we should get some food. And I said, yeah. He said, what do you feel like? And I said, I just want something like simple, like really, really simple. Like I don't want to go anywhere because I knew I had per se coming up. Um, but I said to him, I want something quintessentially New York. Something that says that you have been to New York. So he took me to Katz's Deli. Now, Katz's Deli is very, very famous. And it's famous because it's um, in the movie When Harry Met Sally, when she does the pretend... Oh, okay. Yeah, scene. Scene at the table. And they actually have that table marked in, oh. in the deli. Um, oh, but the funny thing is, is you walk in the door, you get given this little yellow ticket, like a like a ticket stub, an old school movie ticket stub. And you cannot leave without this ticket, right? Because basically that ticket everything is that you order is written on this little yellow ticket and then you pass the ticket at the front door and pay before you leave and this is how it all works right and you basically walk up to this massive deli counter and this isn't like some stale uv light deli counter that we would associate with a deli counter this is um essentially a counter which is a massive it must must have been oh, 15 to 20 meters long Wow. And it was all sectioned out. And okay. and each section had a number. And they were the cutter numbers. So the guys working behind those sections, you could go to cutter one, cutter eight, cutter six, cutter, wherever there was less of a queue because it was heaving. The joint was packed. So this guy who I was with took me there. And he goes, okay, this is what we're going to have. We're going to have a pastrami on rye and a matzo ball soup. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're showing the way here. So anyway, we walk up to the counter. He says, pastrami on rice. So the, the guy who's the cutter doesn't really interact with you. He just wants to know what you want and then move on and get out of the way because someone else is waiting. So it's not a f- super friendly service environment. You get the plastic, your food on the plastic tray and you take it over to your table. There's no waiters. The floor is covered in breadcrumbs, like covered <laughs> in breadcrumbs. The chairs are shitty and old. The tables are rubbish. Like, But... I watched him sort of walk, turn around and face the other way and sort of open this massive vat and pull out this pastrami, right? This whole pastrami. And then right in front of you, he sort of trims off the fat and just he just scrapes it straight onto the floor. And the, the sort of part of their waist where their apron is is just covered in crap from the pastrami hitting their waist and then dropping onto the floor. So they're the offcuts. And this is how much they churn through, right? Because they just... It, they are just pumping out pastrami, corned beef, and various other things that they do. The menu is this 1960s font, sort of tried to be updated because the prices have increased since 1965. But, you know, it's like, it's all a bit of a mishmash. There's a wall of photos of famous people that have gone in there. So it's uber, uber famous, this place. So anyway, he's got this pastrami takes all the trimming bit off and then all the fat bit off and then slices this thing like a grease lightning. Like it was fast, like properly fast. And you can tell this guy could do it in his sleep if he wanted to. And then they get two bits of rye bread and not huge, right? Two bits of rye bread. He slaps a bit of mustard on it, puts some pastrami on top. The pastrami is just sliced, puts another piece on top, slices the sandwich in half, puts it on a plate and that's it. And that is it, right? So 
barring the soup, which was fine, right? I've had mozza ball soup before, and yeah, it's good. And basically, we were just trying to soak up a bit of alcohol that we'd mm-hmm. <laughs> taken on board. Yeah. Um, so the guy I'm with, we find a table because there's no, you know, you just got to squeeze your way in where you can. You just find a table. So we found a table, sat down. Now, we only ordered one sandwich because they are... I don't know what that is. Four inches thick? Yeah. yeah. Four inches thick. And it's two pieces of bread and just a shit ton of pastrami. So he's like, try this. So I take my half, I take a bite, and I was like, oh my God. Like it was... Now, per se is one thing, right? Exercise and refinement, everything total perfection. This was easily as perfect. Now, yes, it was the time, it's the environment you're in, and it's all these sorts of things. But... That half a pastrami sandwich is one of the best things I've ever eaten. Now, it was about a tenth of the, a thousandth of the price of going to per se, and there's no service involved, and there's no alcohol, and there's no this, and there's no, I think you can buy beers there or whatever. Um, but the difference between eating and dining sometimes isn't as far away as what people think it is, because you can find perfection anywhere. And that was absolutely perfect. And it, we didn't have a skin full. We weren't drunk or anything, but it was just that gritty sort of side of New York that I wanted to see. And it was perfect. Like that pastrami was one of the best things ever. So if you're ever in New York and you get the opportunity and you can afford to do two very different dining experiences, do something like that because it's eye-opening you'll see levels of like service and perfection that you probably, I mean, there's very few restaurants in the world, I think that can consistently perform at that level day after day after day after day, which is what per se is all about. But Katz's Deli on the same, you know, for the same sort of thing, their pastrami is that and has been for ever in a day. And that's why the joint at 10 o'clock at night is absolutely heaving and they're charging 25 bucks for a, couple of bits of bread and pastrami and 25 us is what 56 australian it's an expensive sandwich but it is worth every cent and that's my dining versus eating but they're not that far away sometimes that's interesting that you that was a thing that we wanted to talk about because it is something that we've noticed here um and i feel like it's because i'm old-fashioned that when I went out to, uh, in Melbourne, there's this fantastic restaurant called Cutler & Co. Yeah. And it's great. And it's beautiful and it's in, you know, a very funky part. It's on, it's off Gertrude Street, which is yeah. the second funkiest street in the world, apparently. But I went there and it was for my birthday. Dougie and I got all dressed up. It was a really, we were so excited. Um, we, you know, we, we put on, I put on a dress. Yeah. And we, we went out. And the couple next to us were uh, on their phones wearing jeans and a t-shirt and they didn't actually talk to each other or not they were a young couple yeah on their phones they ate the food was sort of you know meh yeah meh yeah and then just you know got up and walked out and um and i thought don't they realize don't they realize how yeah but i mean you also you also make it what you want to make it as well i just thought that was and i thought gee i am getting old when i'm looking at younger people going, those young folks, they don't take it seriously, but... Yeah, but you don't have to take it seriously. But it was not, no. And that's what, you know, afterwards when, you know, sort of occurred to me as I was walking out and I saw the variety of people eating there, 
And it is that sort of place, and Melbourne's full of them, yeah. that you can just go in. And I remember back in the late 80s and 90s, you'd go to the Rialto, which is um, at that time really you know, a, a top-notch place in Melbourne and higher 35 floors up and you'd have your dinner yeah. and you get all dressed up and you'd look out over Melbourne and the waiters would come to present the food and they'd all stand around yeah, they were in the, penguin suits and yeah, the whole kit. And they wore, and they lifted up the, the silver dome over your tr- over your over yeah. plate and all at the same time to reveal, you know, the the food and uh, and yeah, but and that did feel like oh you know, yeah yeah a bit overwhelming at the time when we were all like younger, but that was you know, but yeah now you can be you can just roll in and eat anywhere yeah and. Which was why I think it's good. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I think it's good. And I think, like, a lot of places, um, and I think most places these days, sort of, you know, there's no real rules and requirements, you know. I mean, it's harder to get into the MCG members these days. Like, you know. I'm still on the waiting list. I'll be be No, but even, like, like, even when you're a member, you know, you can't, to, you can't get in if you're not wearing a collar. No, that's right. right. So, and that's that's the sort of old school, you know. And a tie or just a collar? Collar. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it took a while for them to get over the tie thing as well. But I think that, so I think that's where fine dining and people saying fine dining is not a thing anymore. I, I, I still think it is. Like, I, like, per se was every bit fine dining. And it's not fine dining because of the food. It's the entire thing makes it, a fine dining experience um, but it isn't I think we often associate fine dining with stuffiness with snobbery with waiters in waistcoats and bow ties and all that sort of stuff I don't I don't think that exists anymore and if it does it would be kind of almost a bit of a joke now people would yeah. do it people would do it to you know the old like the old school days I mean one of the the funny thing is, is I walked past this one restaurant, um, which had queues outside it every time I, and I walked past it often, it had queues outside it and it was like this sort of performance restaurant. So your waiter would sing and they would do a performance at your table and there was queues of people. Now I couldn't imagine anything worse because I hate musicals Um, (laughs) and I don't feel that mixing like musicals with song and dance is anything that I need to be involved in but clearly now that's a that's, that's another experience yes, right exactly. but um, you know and I often wonder well are you actually going there for the food or are you going there for the experience but who cares right oh, the, the point is is that I think you can find perfection in food in both the super high end and a rough house and it's not a rough house but a yeah. but a gritty deli like and they were equally as good like and I never thought I would say that but they were equally as good so there you go and the rest of the times you were eating in New York and the time in was it Montreal yeah so Montreal was good I, I did get another I was fortunate enough to be invited to another Michelin star restaurant in Montreal I also got a tour of the kitchen um, spent time chatting with the chef as well. He showed me some ingredients that I we just don't get here, so I was very interested to chat to him and talk to him about that. Um, that was another 
you know, experience. And it, they were being super, it was almost too much. It just, the food just kept on coming. It kept on coming, it kept on coming. So we actually ended up having to say stop because it was just, and we decided to do matching wines with that. So it got a bit, whoa, a few mm-hmm. times I stood up. But it, that was another, you know, another experience. But I think those two in New York were so different, but so good at the same time. New York's a really interesting place. I mean, I know, look, four days was enough for me. Like, I don't need to be in New York longer than that. That's that's enough. Like, if I happen to go back, I'll go and visit some other places, and that's great. And we found a little Italian restaurant, and that was cool. Um, it was very much New York's version of an Italian restaurant. Um, I think quite a lot of our expat Italians would do a better job, but it was nice, and like, it was kind of a cool tiny little everyone sat at a long shared table you know so you're talking to the person next to you that you don't know um funnily enough one of the guys that i was ended up sitting next to was like some broadway producer dude just talking about musicals hands up don't talk to me but the the person that i was traveling with was spent the entirety of the time in new york trying to convince me to go to a musical and i'm like no i'm not doing this it's not it's just not my thing Right, so anyway, she had to go back via New York, so she stopped off and went to a musical, and I'm like, yeah, good, do it without me. Um, Whereas when we were there, our four days, we saw three musicals. Yeah, no, I couldn't imagine. It's seriously, shoot it me now. It was fantastic. No, oh, no shoot me it. now. And it was, and yeah. But, no, so New York was cool. Um, LA's, that's another story, I think, for another day. Another day. And Montreal was very European. I was surprised how very, very European it is. Um, quite pretty and beautiful. I quite like. I did like Montreal. Um, I could spend some time there quite happily. It's just I think I get a bit overwhelmed by volumes of people. To that, like you get in New York. I mean, I had the same experience in. I mean, it's next level in Mumbai. Mumbai is just ridiculous. But it was good to see. It was good to go. New Yorkers are full on people. They are. Full full on they're talking a million miles an hour they're in a rush to be somewhere all of them all the time oh, it's amazing isn't it so yeah but it was an experience and it's all happening and yeah. Times Square is just it's, oh, it's like, crazy it's, tunes you've got to go there at yeah. least once in your life and just take it all in if you can because yeah. there's so many things to see. but even Central Park right like so, Central Park on a weekend so oh my god yeah. like just the volume of people yeah. like Sometimes, you know, we'll take Ollie to the zoo and we think it's busy. Mate, that that ain't ain't busy. No. That is is not busy. Central Park must be twice the size of the zoo and there's a hundred times more people. It was crazy. The one thing I did like about New York is you could be anyone in New York. That's the one thing I did like about it. So you could walk down the street in jeans and runners and a T-shirt or the finest suit and no one looks at you either which way. So you can. I think a lot of America's bit like the places that I've been. Wow, well, I, I think been, it was a bit different in California when Americans I was there. Are very welcoming, very hospitable, and take you for a, yeah on face value. Yeah, Amazing. but no, I didn't notice that in New York that you could be wow anyone. Okay. So I kind of I did like that, yeah. but not so much. I don't think LA was like that. Well, certainly not the area of LA that I was in, which was wow. very affluent and. Oh, I've been to LA. A bit snobby. Other than the airport. 
find out straight away yeah. somewhere else. But, okay. But anyway, yeah, sorry. I'm Inter- no, no, banging interesting, on. interesting about that eating versus fine dining. Mm. But I think that's all for today. Done. And, <laughs> well, that, that was sudden. And I was thinking there'd be something else. No. But no. Alrighty. Well, thank you for that. And next time I'm in New York, I might, if I'm going to uh, know that I'm going, I might plan a year ahead and see if I can get into per se. It's, yeah, it's worth it. But make sure Dougie loads up the credit card. Oh, he, he uh, don't worry, he always does before we travel, <laughs> but you worry about yeah. that. Well, thank you for that, Paul. And Thanks, Linda. Happy cooking, everybody. Happy cooking. Until next time, bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to this podcast as we explore home cooking in a modern world. We'd love you to subscribe, and for more information, please go to our website, cookingwithsteam.com.